This is the Black and Blue Report podcast series. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. Saints training camp continues here this week, and my very special guest is Andrew Siciliano. Andrew grew up in Virginia, now resides in Los Angeles, and the native of Syracuse University is well-known to NFL fans across the country and around the world. He is the longtime host now of the Red Zone Channel as a part of the DirecTV Sunday NFL Ticket Package. He also works for the NFL Network as a part of Total Access. He's also broadcast NFL football on radio and television and still currently performs duties as the play-by-play announcer on the Los Angeles Rams preseason television package. Earlier this week, Andrew was here in New Orleans with the NFL Network and LaDainian Tomlinson taking a good close look at the New Orleans Saints as they continue to train for the upcoming season. Got a chance to talk to Andrew about his role as the Red Zone Channel host, his thoughts on the Saints, and other NFL headlines. I hope you'll enjoy as much as I did our visit this week with Andrew Siciliano. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, Here's Sean Kelly. Andrew Siciliano, you got the full gamut of New Orleans weather today. Yeah, it was good. Loved it, Sean. It was awesome. We got uh, we got here early in the morning, and uh, it got hot pretty quickly, which we expected. Yep. Then the rain came in, and it was a deluge, and they kept him on the field, obviously. Sean ended practice with, with uh, the rain. Then the rain went away. The interviews on the set, and then we knew the heavens were going to open up, um, and they... Sure opened up. That was good. Yeah, it's just all a part of this time of year for you. You're just you're you're bouncing from climate to climate and team to team right now, aren't you? Yeah, it's fun. I I, I it's awesome. I mean, I can't think of a better job than this. But yes, weather is uh, a factor. But it's kind of what makes it fun too. Uh, not that chasing, uh, running from lightning is fun. No, not at all. I and mean, we had one in Richmond a couple of years ago with the Redskins, where uh, I mean, you can see the the lightning flash like on the other side of the field. And they start screaming and yelling like horn sounds, like run, 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 run. I remember Brian Billick was pretty slow to move. And, uh, you know, you, you got the IFB, you got the cable, you got the mic. I mean, I am like an electric force field here. And I drop all that <laughs> stuff. And uh, Billick wasn't moving that quickly. And I said, hey, coach, I'm going inside. And the Redskins people are screaming, inside! And he wasn't moving that fast. And I said, hey, hey listen, you're taller than me. Like, it's hitting you, not me. But I'm moving. It's kind of like the running from a bear thing. You just got to be faster than the guy next to you. That's a good point. Because yes. you're not faster than the bear. No. Ever. just have to be faster than the guy that's with you. I, I'm that's a, it. I'm a hiker and very often a solo hiker, so I do not want to talk about bears. Fair enough. <laughs> have you ever, have I mean, have I ever seen a bear? Yes. Yes. Many. We're going to jump all over the place here. What's the best place you've hiked? Oh, man. I don't know that I could give you one. Um I've been very fortunate um, to squeeze in some free time in the offseason over the years. I, I've hiked across the Perito Moreno Glacier in uh, Patagonia, um, just just outside uh, El Calafate in Argentina. I have um, well, uh, I've, I've, I've summited Kilimanjaro in Africa, which is more of a hike. It's certainly not a climb, but that's a long trek. Um, you know, done amazing things, uh, like in the States, international parks. Um, one of my favorites is the Kalalalu Trail on the Nepali coast in Kauai, in Hawaii. 
um, which is a 22 mile in and out, 11 in, 11 out. But I slept on the beach out there, which is like time kind of has stopped out there. You have um, just people living out there um, that have never come back and, and they trade like with the hikers that come out for the day. Um, I'm not kidding. Like people shower in the waterfall and clothing is optional. And uh, it's 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 a, one of the most beautiful beaches you'll ever see. Holy cow. Yeah. Forget this football. Let's just talk about <laughs> this for the next 15 minutes. It's remarkable, really. What what age did you start hiking? Not, not just hiking, but this pursuit of the best hikes oh, man. in it, the Western Hemisphere. It took a while. I, it was something. So I've lived in L.A. for 18 years. And when I first moved to L.A., the whole concept of hiking was kind of silly like hey, who's going to hike i'm like what do you do you're gonna climb that hill over there big deal i did it did nothing for me and i i was sarcastic and closed-minded and i didn't want to do anything and then i remember i went on a hike one day in the santa monica mountains you know just like malibu the palisades nothing big at all I'm like this is pretty cool and then i got into uh i just got addicted to a the exercise b um the solitude if you're doing it by yourself especially on those rare off days during the season where you could just kind of you know, cut off from the world and, and go read a book or something like that. And, and then just see the nature. It's just beautiful. And yeah. I was never an outdoorsy guy as a kid. My, my parents never, um, that was, that was never their thing at all. Uh, but I kind of, I, I kind of learned to love it. And then I just started going, all right, let, let's start checking them off. And each one is a new challenge. And uh, that was my thing. Incredible. I'm jealous, yeah. frankly. It's, it's never too late to start. It's not exact. I mean, it's, it's physically demanding, but it's not like you're, you're learning to ski at an old age or anything like that, which I'm awful at. I didn't do that as a kid either, and now I fall down mountains, and that's pretty bad. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. Yes. What did you learn on your uh, on your hike across the uh, lowlands of Metairie today? Uh, what did I learn? Yeah. Uh, I learned that, I mean, LT's observation, he knows the football better than me. He thought the defense won the day, and, and Sean Payton, when he sat down with us, said the same thing. I think that's a good sign, personally, because you know the offense is going to eventually get in gear with or without Mark Ingram in September. Uh, it always does, and it always eventually um, lights up the scoreboard as it has to. Uh, if the defense is winning early in camp, to me, that that's a sign, hopefully a positive one, of things to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they could get anything out of Marcus Davenport, if they could, you, you don't just put on muscle overnight. Um, but he has the speed, certainly, if he could learn a couple power moves as well, and he could be a force to help Cam and to help Rankins and to help whatever else you have because you have the secondary. You know, the, the secondary secondary is pretty impressive what they've been able to put together the last couple of years. Uh, they need the defense to force turnovers. Peyton said that you know, pretty bluntly today with us. Um, middle of the pack last year, I think, you know, top 10 scoring certainly, but middle of the pack with everything else Yes, you, you think is, is good enough to cut it, but imagine if it were only a little bit better. May need to be. Just because I'm looking at the NFC right now. Especially that division. Yes. What is it about the NFC South, Andrew, that has been able to now to sustain the reputation that has gained over the last, let's say, what, five, six, seven, eight years? I, I love point? it. I mean, you had that, that stretch there where you never had the repeat champion. What was that, like eight years? Something yes. Like that? Um, uh, you have consecutive Super Bowl teams, right? Um, at least there for two years. Uh it's a hyper-competitive division. It's not just a good division. It is a hyper-competitive division. I don't know what the Bucks are going to do this year. You, know, you guys get them early. But, I, I mean, they're, to me, the huge enigma. I, I think the other three teams are going to be really good. The fact that the Saints and the Panthers play twice in three weeks to end the season, 
that's one of those it's one of those things I didn't realize. I hate to use like we use so many things on the network under the radar or you know things like that storylines. That was one of them where I was sitting on the plane coming here yesterday, looking at the schedule, going, "Oh wow, I didn't realize that." I mean, that is going to be an awesome December. Yes, it doesn't happen. And by the Steelers chance. in between, by well, the way. That, there's that too. Yeah. It's funny, you know. Whenever the schedule comes out, I always start to look for patterns or, like you said, those under the radar storylines. Well, look, it's not. It's no shock that right about the time that Drew Brees could break the record. Oh, yeah, it's, good uh, point. It happens to be Monday Night Football, right? Mm-hmm. You know, And then, of course, you mentioned the two meetings with Carolina late in the season. I know the division has to do its thing, but look, I, I, when they make the schedule, they have some idea of, oh, of course what they they'd do. like to see. And that's not a secret yes. either. Mike right. North will tell you that. There's yeah. a lot of math and, and there's some algorithms um, that are far above my pay grade and intelligence that figure this thing out. But they do... Um, when they start building the schedule, take a couple of um, flags and stick them there and there and there. And we would like to try to build something around these parameters, looking at milestones, for example. But there's also a lot of limitations. Um, we're joking about Taylor Swift on the air this year. Just now, actually, today. Um, she's got a stadium tour. Ed Sheeran's got a stadium tour. I mean, there are um, you know, there are holidays. There are, there are local festivities that – all the teams submit, this is where we would like to be or like to avoid for certain times. And it, it is, I mean, they go through tens of thousands of schedules before they actually figure the right one out. Yeah. Um, I'm inside the building. So look, it sometimes separating yourself from the building and taking a true good look mm-hmm. is hard to do. From, from a national perspective, is the talk about the Saints real or is it localized? As, as far as their chances of making a run at this thing. I think it's real. I, I, I also think, and I think we're guilty of this, we being the collective media, um, I think we're guilty of taking our eye off the Eagles right now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they won. It still seems so fresh. They have a very real quarterback discussion right now. And I think there's a lot of attention on the Eagles. The Vikings went out and signed Kirk Cousins, and they were a 13-win team with the number one defense in football. So it's hard to overlook them as well. Aaron Rodgers is back. We were there two days ago. It's hard to overlook them as well. Um, And then I was in Atlanta yesterday. I mean, they were a double-digit win team. They think their defense is better. They think that Calvin Ridley makes their offense better. They just gave Matt Ryan $150 million. And the narrative, I think, there will be, as it was in Minnesota last year, can you play the Super Bowl in your own building? Hmm. Um, Maybe it won't be as loud as we had in Minnesota. Obviously, we know it's never happened. Right. Um, The Super Bowl is in Atlanta this year. If they get off to a good start, you're going to start hearing that as well. So is it loud on the Saints? No, but I think it's loud because people – it isn't loud, rather, because people are distracted. I think if they step away from the low-hanging fruit, they'd see the obvious here as well, that this is a very good team that has a shot. Fair enough. Fair enough. Andrew, you've done so much in your career as a broadcaster. Um, The Red Zone channel, though, is that the most unique sportscasting job in the business? I guess. I don't know. I mean, there's some crazy things like, you know – like calling obscure sports, which I've never done, which would be fantastic and and things like that. But we have fun with it. And, you know, I I will say all the right things because I truly do mean them. We have such an amazing crew and no one envisioned it would ever become this. And we've done it now for 14 years. And when we started it 14 years ago, and so many of the same people are with us 
from 14 years ago. Really? That's almost um, unheard I mean, of. Even someone who is an intern who is, now ha- has a real job in that control room, and he has for a number of years, um, Ben Fleming. Uh, James Crittenden now has a nice office, but he, he lined the very first show, and he is still there every Sunday as well. Um, we uh, we never thought it would, it would, it would be this. And, and they – like, I'm, I'm the guy talking. Sean, you know from talking. I mean, we, we go out there and we talk. They are in the control room at times – you work in TV juggling 11 live games at once and and not just trying to figure out where to go next, but trying to figure out where they physically can go next because you have somebody listening down the line to the back hall from the truck, right? And and they might be sitting on a break TV term, meaning they're about to go to commercial Mm -hmm. and, and we, you know, see a ball completed inside the 20 and we want to go there, but they are, they're, they're ready for a break. And as soon as someone starts limping to the sideline and bam, there's an injury timeout, they're hot, they're out. And we can't go there necessarily. And so I may be calling to go to the Saints game and they're telling me I can't go to the Saints game. And they're the ones in there. I mean, juggling 11 at times, live truck feeds. They're the ones doing the heavy lifting. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. You being upright when it's done, you have. Well, I don't have sit to, down. I don't. No, I'm just mean you have to be exhausted. But that's my point. Is I yeah. don't sit down, so it's even because I. Right. I take it back. I sit down for the late games, um, like here the three o'clock games, Central Time, because uh, it's usually only three or four, um, and I'm just kind of wiped. If we have anywhere between eight or ten or eleven in the early ones, I pace the whole time. I like if I sit down, I can't. I lose my focus, so I have the giant wall of TVs, and I'm just pacing with coffee the entire time, back and forth and back and forth on the wow. wall. So my feet hurt by the time we get to the late ones. Is there? You mentioned the hard work of the crew, that lifting yeah. that goes on there. Um, if there was one other thing that you you wish fans knew or viewers knew about pulling that off, what would it be? A couple of things. Thank you for asking. Uh, number one, I don't hate your team. Okay. Number two, I have never gone to a game based solely on my fantasy team. I really don't care if I win or lose. I do care, but I realize there's a lot of luck involved. Number three, and I can say this, I'm not gambling either, all right? So I don't have money on your game. I've never been on a game in my entire life. That has nothing to do with why I'm going to your game. Um, and and number four, uh, we've never taped anything. I mean, if it's on tape, I will tell you it's on tape. I'll say want to show you what just happened in New Orleans, all okay. right? So here's what happens. They had a third and 15, all right? They're on the plus 47, and look what Drew Brees did. Michael Thomas got loose. Here's, here's a 47-yard touchdown, okay? I, I've never faked it live. Like, I knew what it's going to be, right? Right. And just gone there and laid out and pretended I didn't know what was going to happen and then described it on the back end. Um, and we can't do that because on Sunday ticket, we have all the games. So if you're sitting in your basement with multiple TVs, you're going to know if we faked it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a real-time live-action show, and everyone's got their Twitter and their tablets and their multiple screens, and so you can't ever do that. Yeah. Now, sometimes people get 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 ornery because they say I'm ruining your highlight. I'm like, no, I, I'm not. It's not a highlight. It is a highlight, but really it's just like, Hey, look what happened. And they say, Oh, shut up. Don't talk over the highlight. Well, I'm not going to pretend like it's not real. Right. So I get angry as well when we do miss something live, but you can't predict the ADR touchdown. No, no. The most satisfaction we get is when we 
have one of those clairvoyant moments where we get to something right before it happens. And I don't mean red zones. Those are easy. Like, hey, they're on the 15. We're going to go there, right? It's the ones where you're like, hmm, this might be two down territory, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, hey, be careful in game five. If they run it, they don't get it. They might go for this and then, bam, get there fast, and that fourth and one turns into a touchdown. And then we start high-fiving on stage because – we saw it coming, and we got there, and we got it live, and that's what makes us the most happy. That's Happiest, so cool. Rather. That's so cool. Um, I know you got to run off to your next city and all that. Uh, offbeat, and, and I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to bring this up, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued by what your answer <laughs> oh might be. What? Look, I haven't talked about this national anthem thing with really sure. anybody. Um, part of me, probably, if I'm being totally honest, it's because I just think that maybe if I don't talk about it, it'll go away. And it just keeps rearing its head. Do you think by the start of the NFL season, we're still early in camp right now, everybody's still got to play their preseason games and and whatnot, but will the National Anthem thing be a story in week one or no? no? Will they get this figured out? I think it's going to be a story regardless of what they figure out. And that's not a cop-out. I do think that they will find a compromise, but I don't know what it is. I sat there with Arthur Blank yesterday, and that was my question. Where is the compromise? And... uh, he didn't have an answer. Not not that he, he doesn't – how do I say it? When I say he doesn't have an answer, not that he was clueless or something. What I'm saying is the two sides are talking. They have to compromise. And I don't know what it's going to be. But it is, it is something that obviously everybody has an opinion on. Everywhere I go, okay, mm-hmm. somebody wants to talk about it. And, and on both sides. Last night it happened here in a restaurant in New Orleans um, from a proud veteran, a guy in his 60s, a guy from California – a Marine, and he had his very strong opinions. And, and I listen. I want to listen. I want to hear any and every side of this because um, it's one thing that I love about our country is you can have a passionate opinion. I just wish people would listen as much as they can. That, that's not me taking sides. My father's a veteran as well. I'm very proud of his service. He has very strong opinions about it as well. Um, I just hope that people can come together and find a common ground so that we can all enjoy football but to answer your question yes I do think it will be a story the question is what will the story be and what will the compromise be now something that we talk about a lot with with my younger friends regardless of color regardless of race is that I think everyone in this conversation needs to know as well that while there are many people upset by the actions the players took, mm-hmm. that there are many people, many of them younger, right, that not only agree with at least the right to protest, but they too might be affected by any decision handed out or might have a negative reaction. People say, well, you want to appease one side or make that one side happy. You can't necessarily do that because there's the other side as well that may look negatively upon any heavy-handed edict there's got to be a compromise here has to be i don't know where it is that's for people smarter than me and above my pay grade as arthur blank said yesterday i hope they're like we're happy it's a good thing it's constructive that they're talking and they're going to keep on talking because they have to i like your word compromise because this can't be a somebody wins and somebody loses thing that's not getting us anywhere. No. So Rarely does it. Correct. I didn't know if we were going to go to that today, but That's I'm, fine. I'm I, glad I, we did. But Listen, it's something that I get asked about I, anywhere I go. I get asked about it in Israel this summer. Amazing. 
by an American, granted, but, but it, it was is in real. Israel. Yeah. And away from the season yeah. and the whole nine yards. Away from the season. Exactly. I wish you all the best this training camp. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. I, I'm, and really, this visit was so cool. It's Thank fun. you very much. Absolutely. Hope we come back soon. Actually, I am back with the Rams in three weeks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Back with the Rams uh, for the fourth and final preseason game with 90 man rosters. Can we get? Should we get rid of the fourth preseason game? Oh boy! Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. I'm actually look. If the players want to cut it down to two or three, that's fine. I think the coaches will always tell you they want four, although three could be the perfect number. It, right. I, I wouldn't go to two. I would go to three. But I love what they did with the rosters going to ninety. It makes travel for the teams a little bit more difficult, as you know. But um, to have it at ninety, it made no sense to cut down from seventy-five after three. Okay. All. By the way, those Rams are going to be pretty darn good, too. They are going to be very good. Is the all-star approach – I mean, the Redskins tried this, mm-hmm. and it really didn't work. Is it going to work in Los Angeles? I, I think because uh, it, it's not the over-the-hill gang. I, I realize we're mixing eras here with the Redskins. Yes. Uh, these are all still relatively young guys, so I, I think it can. But it is a challenge. I mean, you are – you're not only bringing all those guys in, but you're you're getting rid of or moving on from Alec Ogletree and Robert Quinn and some very key defensive pieces, Tremaine Johnson, um, who they had tagged two consecutive years. So um, it's not only who you're adding, it, it's who you're subtracting as well. They're adding very good football players, but that defensive locker room is going to have a very different dynamic. Yeah. Here's the good news. When you come back, you'll be inside, not outside. Yes, I look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> Andrew, thank you very much. Absolutely. Our thanks again to Andrew Siciliano. A great visit, and we'll look forward to seeing him again. We know we will in week four of the preseason when Andrew's back with the Los Angeles Rams broadcasting at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I'm Sean Kelly. That'll do it for my episode this week of the Black and Blue Report podcast series. We hope that you'll join us on Friday as Caroline Gonzalez, Ashley Amos, and Cindy Robinson are back at the roundtable to end our week. I'll see you next week for another long-form visit here on the Black and Blue Report.